we've all noticed that there seems to be more tragic stories every day of young people, especially young men, dropping dead. And now the FDA is warning of a catastrophic drop in U.S. life expectancy. In the first nine months of this year, 158,000 more Americans died unexpectedly than in all of 2019. Now, just to give you some perspective, that's more than the casualties in every war since Vietnam, all of them combined. Now, actuarial reports that young people are being disproportionately affected here. Mortality was 26% higher among insured 35 to 44-year-olds and 19% higher for 25 to 34-year-olds. This is overall COVID deaths, of course, have dropped 84% since 2021. And my next guest is sounding the alarm, President and Chief Medical Officer of the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance, Dr. Pierre Corey. Uh, Dr. Corey, we got to know each other during COVID. Uh, these figures are staggering. Now, I think people see these numbers, Dr. Corey, and they, they might blame fentanyl or drugs or, you know, unknown heart problems, even in young athletes. People say that they're not uncommon. It's happened in years prior. So could, could this explain all these deaths? No, absolutely not. I mean, if you take a cl close look at the numbers and the life insurance industry, the actuaries have done this. It's the timing. You know, fentanyl didn't just explode on the scene in 2021. Uh, global warming or obesity or diabetes or deaths of despair. I, I mean, the timing is is really inarguable. I mean, we have to answer the question. Why are the healthiest elements of society? These are young, employed uh, folks with life insurance suddenly started dying at rates we've never seen before in 2021, and it continues. And so it's, we're left with the question, what happened in the American workplace in 2021 that led to this unprecedented rate of death? And, and the challenge here, Laura, is we're trying to ask the question. We're, you know, I, we wrote that op-ed trying to put that data out there. We need our government to function. Public health, one of their main uh, objectives or responsibilities is to collect this data to inform us so that we can, you know, enact policies. And I don't see an organized effort to trying to answer the question why young people are dying so much. Well, and Dr. Uh, uh, Journal of American Medical Association study on cancer diagnoses between 2010 and 2019 found that certain kinds of cancer were being diagnosed more often in younger adults in the United States, and increases seem to be driven by cancers in women and adults in their 30s. So overall, early onset cancers increased over that decade by an average of 0.28% each year. And among women, it was like 0.67%. So that's 33% and 7% respectively over that time frame. So have you seen that kind of uptick firsthand? Well, the numbers that you just quoted are dwarfed by what we're describing. I mean, we're seeing these these rises, these sudden rises in traditionally healthy sectors of society. We've never seen dying at this rate. I mean, unless we send all our young people to war, you can't explain why so many young people are dying. And um, you know, we need our governments to function. And, and here's the thing. I have a private practice. I uh, specialize in COVID care, not only acute, but I, I specialize in long COVID and long vax. Uh, long vax is the chronic illness that's triggered by the vaccine. It's way more common than long COVID. And I have thousands of patients uh, mm. that are decimated. Their health is disturbed. Um, this, this is not the dead, right? That, we're, we're, I, that op-ed, we talked about the dying, but, you know, 
Theirs has exploded since the outset of the campaign. Why are we not asking questions? What all we've well, seen our government do and these agencies it, is ignore it and dismiss it. Well, I mean, it, just for the to the layman watching this and hearing about this, like with so much else that happened in the last few years, it, it, it sounds like a cover up. And, you know, that's why they rushed out to condemn people like you. And it was all misinformation and disinformation. And they went after me for the hydroxychloroquine. I mean, it was just never ending assault on anyone who asked questions. But my, my, my simple question to you is, are you seeing incidents of individuals who have compromised immunity and other problems that you believe are directly related to multiple COVID-19 shots? There's not even a question that that is occurring. I mean, there's really good science to explain why that's occurring. I'm seeing it clinically in my practice. Um, you're seeing it in these reports from around the world of these sudden, you know, white lung syndromes, everyone's sick and entering hospitals. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we're in the wake of a global mass vaccination campaign and people are not recognizing. We've known for years that, for instance, flu vaccines increase your risk of other respiratory viruses. And, right. and now we're seeing this whole world that, that, that got vaccinated. And you know, we'll have to. It, yeah. It's not surprising. Well, have, yeah, this has to be studied without bias and can't jump to conclusions until we have the information. But, um, Dr. Corey, we really appreciate your work here and your effort. Thank you so much. Thank you, Laura. Why Trump Will Win in 2024. Mr. Reagan. A lot of people think that it will be impossible for Donald Trump to win in 2024. I say this all the time in the comment section under my posts on Twitter and even in the comment section of these videos. There is a subset of conservative Republican voters who are just completely convinced that the Democrats will cheat again in 2024 and their cheating will be effective and they will steal the election yet again. But here's what these people don't get. Cheating is hard. It's really hard. And look, you're right. Democrats will try to cheat in 2024, but they try to cheat in every election. They tried to cheat in 2016. It didn't work out. Trump was just too popular. They cheated. They just couldn't cheat enough. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen here in 2024. Let me explain. In 2020, they had a couple of advantages that they're not going to have in 2024. First of all, they had almost universal mail-in voting all over the country. That will not be the case in 2024. There is no COVID. Now, I know a lot of people have speculated that there will be a new pandemic, maybe one that's entirely fictional. Maybe it will be a man-made virus. Who knows? But a lot of people believe that. And look, it is possible. But I don't think they're going to do this. And the reason I don't think they're going to do it is because they are already so engaged in so many other tactics to try to stop Donald Trump from running, just even just running for president, that I don't think that they believe that they can reliably manufacture another health crisis. And so, so here's the thing. If they can't cheat at the scale that they did in 2020, what they have to do is they actually have to get a strong basis of legitimate votes. Even when they're cheating, they have to have a strong foundation of legitimate votes. They have to have a certain amount. But if they can't cheat as much, then they need even more legitimate votes. And I don't think they're going to get more. I think they're going to get a heck of a lot less. So they can't cheat as much. They're going to be forced to cheat less. And they're also going to get fewer legitimate votes. I don't think Democrats have a chance. You see, another problem that the Democrats have is that 
the bitter hatred for Donald Trump that existed in 2015, 2016, 2020, that softened a little bit. You still see some of the acute vitriol from people like Keith Oberman and Rob Reiner on Twitter, but I've not seen the same levels of hatred coming from the general population. Regular voters just don't seem to hate Donald Trump the same way that they used to. In fact, I think that when they hear people like Keith Oberman and Rob Reiner screaming about how evil and dictatorial Donald Trump is, I actually think ordinary voters are starting to roll their eyes at that kind of stuff. A lot of the things that they're warning us about Donald Trump today, it's the same things they, they warned us about in 2015. These are recycled threats, recycled hysteria. They're saying that Donald Trump is going to be a dictator, that he's going to start World War III. But here's the thing. Donald Trump was president for four years. He was not a dictator. He did not start World War III. Joe Biden, on the other hand, he has been a dictator. Joe Biden has essentially started World War III. And that's the third reason that Donald Trump will be elected president. In 2015, people were infected with an illness known as Trump derangement syndrome. In 2020, that disease metastasized and people were running a high fever. But now, people are acutely aware of the consequences of having Trump not in office. People's short-term memory is entirely filled up with one nightmare scenario and one nightmare scenario only. Joe Biden has been president. We know what a Biden regime looks like, and we know what a Donald Trump presidency looks like. People can now compare and contrast, and uh, it's not looking good for Biden. Now, there are several other reasons why it is absolutely clear that Donald Trump will be president in 2024. So if you are not convinced by now, I guarantee that by the end of this video, you will be. So as I said, the Joe Biden presidency is fresh in the minds of American voters. And although Democrat voters are willing to forgive a lot, one thing that even Democrat voters tend not to forgive is a bad economy. And no matter how the Biden administration tries to spin it, the American economy has been a disaster for the average American. And look, we all know this is true, so I'm not going to get into the details of the economic ruin of America, but here's kind of a fun way of looking at this. The Biden regime tried to coin a word in order to brand Joe Biden's economy as positive, Bidenomics. But this totally backfired. Political analysts and economists all over the media, they used the word Bidenomics derisively. The definition of Bidenomics never became what the Biden regime intended for it to be, which was a thriving economy in which the quality of life of every American was improved by the Joe Biden regime. Instead, the definition of Bidenomics naturally became a reflection of the truth. The definition of Bidenomics is justly a disastrous economic policy. Now, it is hard to imagine an economy worse than one that can turn the definition of a word that was coined with the intention of branding the economy positively, turn that word into a synonym for disaster. Another sign that Donald Trump is destined to win the 2024 election is Democrat hopelessness. As hopeless as some conservatives are about 2024, convinced that the Democrats will try to cheat, the Democrats, they are at the moment even more hopeless than that. And Democrats... Well, they're never hopeless. I have watched several elections through my life, and Democrats have always had an irrational degree of optimism. And this, I think, is partly theater, but I think it's also partly because Democrats in Washington, D.C., Democrats in the media, and even many Democrat voters, they know that at the end of the day, even if they don't have the votes to win, they've always got a little bit of an edge on Republicans because they know that Democrats will always cheat. 
Republicans don't tend to cheat. We tend to play by the rules. And this always gives Democrats an advantage in every election. And so Democrats are always optimistic because they know that even if they lose, they'll probably still win. But the other day, I was watching MSNBC and everybody on the show was absolutely hopeless. I'd never seen anything like it. I mean, I wish I had recorded that segment because it was hilarious and beautiful. These guys were looking at poll numbers and they were utterly dejected. It was like seeing a unicorn galloping across a rainbow. It was magical. And why were they so hopeless? Because of all of the recent polling. All the most recent polling shows a Trump victory. But, but, but here's the really crazy thing. So the polling doesn't just show a Trump victory. It shows a Trump landslide victory. It shows Donald Trump absolutely obliterating Joe Biden. Look at this headline from Newsweek that came out just the other day. The election map for 2024 predicts Donald Trump will crush Joe Biden. Now that is a hell of a headline. But look, it's not just this one poll. Every poll shows a Donald Trump landslide victory. And finally, I am 100% convinced that Donald Trump will win 2024 because Democrats have lost the youth vote. This happened actually in 2016 when most young Democrats were supporting Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton's campaign essentially nuked Bernie Sanders' chances for the Democrat nomination. These young leftists were embittered by this betrayal and instead of turning their support to Clinton, they either refrained from voting altogether or in some cases they even turned their support to Donald Trump. And we have a very similar situation today because a lot of university students have been indoctrinated with this idea that the victims of the Israeli-Palestinian Palestinian conflict are the Palestinians. And this has become the basically the perspective of the left for as long as I can remember. You will remember the famous firing line interview with AOC. What people are starting to see, at least in, in the occupation uh, of, of Palestine, is um, just an, an increasing crisis of humanitarian condition. And that to me is just where I tend to mm -hmm. come from on this issue. You use the term the occupation of Palestine. Mm. What did oh. you mean by that? Oh, um, I think it, what I meant is like the, the settlements that are increasing in, in some of these areas and, and places where, um, where Palestinians are experiencing uh, difficulty in access to uh, their housing and homes. Do you think you can expand on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd also just, I, I am not the expert on geopolitics on this. And you know, it's actually pretty ironic. Radical left university professors have indoctrinated students to vote exclusively for radical Democrats. But then they've also indoctrinated these students to believe that the Palestinians are the victims of Israeli colonialism. And so when their Democrat overlords in D.C. support Israel, these university level cultists, they feel betrayed this is 2016 all over again. University students who support Palestine, they will not be voting for Joe Biden. The Democrat Party has no philosophical, moral, or rational foundation. The Republican Party is fundamentally based on the European Christian tradition. We tend to base our political philosophy on European Christian ethics. We care about improving the lives of all Americans and providing all Americans with as many opportunities as possible. This is why we care so much about truth, freedom of speech, free and fair elections, eradicating the corruption in Washington, D.C., shrinking the power of the federal government, and a deregulated capitalist economy. But Democrats, they have no such philosophical foundation. The Democrat Party is essentially a patchwork quilt of special interest groups. Democrat politicians care about two things. They care about money and they care about power.
Democrat politicians, they take bribes, they take kickbacks, and they pass regulations that will benefit their friends in Wall Street, benefit the military industrial complex, benefit their friends in the labor unions and the various other lobby groups that contribute to their political campaigns and often slip them envelopes full of cash. But sometimes the interests of these special interest groups come into conflict. The LGBT community doesn't exactly have the same motivations and intentions as the Muslim immigrants that the Democrat politicians claim to love so much. The feminists who have fought so hard for female sports for decades, their goals have been entirely undermined by the transgender athletes that the Democrat politicians claim to love so much. And in this particular case, we have a Democrat party that insists that it's against anti-Semitism and it's actively supporting Israel with millions of dollars in aid to fight against Palestinian terrorists. But this, of course, comes into conflict with these students who support Palestine. And so it's really the fault of the Democrats themselves. You cannot go around telling every group that claims to be marginalized and oppressed, we support you. Because sometimes these victim groups, they're not actually victims at all. And sometimes these groups are villains. And sometimes some of these groups are enemies. So right now, the Democrat Party, it's a mess. They want to appease the Muslims in Iran. They want to appease the students who support Palestine. But they also want to appear to support the fight against anti-Semitism. They want to appear to support Israel. And this was bound to happen. When you pretend to support everyone, eventually everybody figures out that you really support no one. You're, you're going to piss off somebody eventually, and now it looks like the Biden regime has pissed off just about everybody. And this brings me to my final point in this video. The Biden regime's policies have been so disastrous, their rhetoric so pandering, their lies so blatant, their communication so incompetent, that even some of the most hardcore leftists, the most severely infected TDS sufferers, they have turned against Democrat policies. They have turned against Joe Biden, and some have even turned toward Donald Trump. Just the other day, Fareed Zakaria broadcast this message to America. Three university presidents came under fire this week for their vague and indecisive answers when asked whether calling for the genocide of Jews would violate their institution's codes of conduct. American universities have been neglecting a core focus on excellence in order to pursue a variety of agendas, many of them clustered around diversity and inclusion. Good intentions have morphed into a dogmatic ideology and turned these universities into places where the pervasive goals are political and social engineering, not academic merit. New subjects crop up that are really political agendas, not academic fields. You can now major in diversity, equity, and inclusion at some colleges. Out of this culture of diversity has grown the collection of ideas and practices that we have now all heard of. Safe spaces, trigger warnings, microaggressions. As the authors Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukianoff have discussed, many of these colleges have instituted speech codes that make it a violation of university rules to say things that some groups might find offensive. Universities advise students not to speak, act, even dress in ways that might cause offense to some minority groups. In this context, it is understandable that Jewish groups would wonder, why do safe spaces, microaggressions, and hate speech not apply to us? If universities can take positions against free speech to make some groups feel safe, why not us? What we saw in the House hearing this week was the inevitable result of decades of the politicization of universities. America's top colleges are no longer seen as bastions of excellence, but partisan outfits 
which means they will keep getting buffeted by these political storms as they emerge. They should abandon this long misadventure into politics, retrain their gaze on their core strengths, and rebuild their reputations as centers of research and learning. This is Fareed Zakaria. This is one of CNN's most vicious left-wing pit bulls. He constantly has promoted the radical divisive policies of the left for decades. And now he's here saying that, well, maybe we should rethink some of this stuff. Uh, yeah, you think? This is the kind of situation where I'm tempted to say, yeah, you know what? No, you do not get to pretend like you have just now realized that this is a bad idea. You need to get on your damn knees and apologize to America because all this shit, this is your fault. You promoted this crap for decades and now you're saying, oh, well, maybe this was a bad idea. We have been telling you year after year after year about the dangers of these policies and you never listen to us. And now you're just coming around to this realization? Now, you need to beg forgiveness and tell Americans you were wrong. Hell, you know what? Throw in an endorsement for Donald Trump while you're at it. But no, that's not how you win over these Democrats. We just have to bite our tongues, nod politely, and say, you know what? I think you made a great point, Fareed. You are a very intelligent man, and I think that we should all sit down and we should think about what you've said here and consider it, because maybe, just maybe, you're right about this. Because you know what? At the end of the day, in spite of the fact that what he's saying has been obvious to us for decades, he is saying the right things, and we need to recognize that. So you know what? Welcome to the party, Fareed. It's nice to have you on board. But before Mr. Zakaria came around, at least on this one particular issue, another prominent Biden supporter and Trump hater spoke out. And this is not somebody you probably care about the opinion of, but a lot of people do care about her opinion, and that makes her very powerful. And her name, oh yes, is Cardi B. I don't give a f I'm not endorsing no f***ing presidents no more, because how is there a $100 million budget cut in New York City for schools, library, uh, police safety, and sanitation. Yeah, Joe Biden's talking about, like, yeah, we could fund two wars. We could fund two wars. My talking about we don't got it, but we got it. Like, we're the greatest nation. No, the we're not. We're going through some right now. Like, say it. Say it. We really going through, uh, we, we, we really, 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 really are right now. I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I'm blessed. I'm whatever the but like, what ha what's going to happen to my nieces? What's going to happen to my, my nephews? What's going to happen to my cousins, my aunts, my friends that's living in the hood? Bitch, New York is already fucking super dirty. Super dirty. Like, yo, you know what's embarrassing? Like, it's like, you know, like, I know people from California. I know people from Atlanta. So we always be like, I always be like, yeah, New York is the greatest place in the world. Yeah, New they, they be like, New York is dirty. And it is dirty. And we're going to get even dirtier with the budget cut and yeah we talking about we f we could fund two wars that's like a nigga trying to front like yeah i got the money to support two bitches but you really don't no we cannot fund these wars we can't keep it a bean we can't the world is in shambles now you know what i actually think that cardi b is one of these people who is far more intelligent than she appears certainly she likes attention. Certainly, she likes drama. But I think that she is actually a relatively high IQ person. So in spite of her inability to appropriately articulate the English language, I actually do have a modicum of respect for this woman. And I think that it is great that she is influencing her fans in this way. I suspect that Cardi B is in a position to wake up more delusional Biden voters than maybe anyone on the planet. 
So we can scoff about this video as just another Cardi B rant video, but look, it's not Mr. Reagan videos or even Tucker Carlson videos that are going to cause a seismic shift in the culture. It's Cardi B videos like this one. Now, probably the most surprising flip was from Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport has been making the most vile, vicious, nasty, ignorant anti-Trump videos available on social media since the very beginning of Trump's initial 2016 presidential campaign. This guy has been the ugliest anti-Trump person in the universe. He's worse than AOC. He's worse than Nancy Pelosi. He's worse than Colbert and Kimmel. He's worse than Keith Oberman. He's worse than Rachel Maddow. And he's even worse than Joy Behar. But Joe Biden has been such a bad president. The Biden regime has been so disastrous for America that even Michael Rappaport has flipped. Let me tell you something. Things don't get straightened up in this world ASAP. And I know Smoking Joe has said the right thing about Israel. But when I'm seeing motherfuckers in New York City climb in public in front of crowds of people, rip down UN flags, rip down Israeli flags, rip down American flags on Veterans Day, when the economy is the way the economy is, when I'm paying mortgage rates up the wonk up. I mean, I'm getting, forget a, forget a colonoscopy. You don't need to get a colonoscopy. Go, uh, go buy a house. The interest rates, go buy a car. And I know Smoking Joe has done some things for the, I know, but I'm telling you right now, go, go buy yourself a, go, go check, go check what it's like to buy a car, buy a house. The anti-Jewish, the openly anti-Jewish comments online, ripping down posters, the Jews, Hitler, this, that, and the third. Hitler's your hero? You love Hitler? You think he was dope? you. You think Hamas is dope? You. You think rapists, necrophiliacs, pedophiliacs, baby killers, kidnappers? are dope, they do not want a ceasefire. And this just is not about the Jews. You think because you're protesting, they won't kill you? You think because you're marching and spray painting police cars, they won't kill you? You think because you're LGBTQ for Palestine, they won't They don't even, let's be clear, LGBTQ plus, they don't even waste bullets on y'all. They burn you alive and throw you off a building like you're some kind of freak animal. I'm not on that snowflake I've had conversations with some of my... If it comes down to pig dick Donald Trump and smoking Joe Biden, I'm sorry. I am sorry. Voting for pig dick Donald Trump is on the table. I'm sorry. I'm I'll still call him slob dick Donald Trump, pig dick Donald Trump. And all that. But we need to get this whole situation under control. And last but not least, Chris Cuomo. Yes, it's almost unbelievable. But the narcissistic brother of Governor Andrew Cuomo has actually come out and suggested that Donald Trump would be a better vote than Joe Biden in 2024. Joe was nice when my father died. He said nice things to us. That's nice. Do I think he's the best of us? No. Do I think he's the best we can do as president? Absolutely not. Do I think he's the best the Democrats can do? Hell no. If it's Biden, Trump, look, for me, again, 
Um, we survived a Trump administration. Uh, would we survive another one? Yes. Yes. I don't think there's any greater risk to America with him than with Biden. And for people who are now going to attack me and say, what are you talking about? Trump is like this crazy man. Well, look, you know, as Patrick says, the data is the data. Nobody was trying to kill us when Trump was president in a way that they're not now. If anything, there's more hostility. And you can have reasons for that any way you want. I'm just saying existentially. I'm not afraid of a Trump presidency. But, you know, in terms of who I'm going to vote for, I would really have to see where we are at that moment in time. Uh, and So you're open to a Trump vote? I am always open. And I'll tell you this. People say, oh, bullshit. You never voted for a Republican in your life. Wrong. And not only have I, the first vote I ever cast was for a Republican. This is, to me, inexplicable. I cannot explain... Why these diehard leftists, these hateful anti-Trump zealots would ever flip. I don't understand it because the anti-Trump, anti-conservative thing, it's always been entirely irrational. Supporting Biden, supporting Pelosi, buying into Adam Schiff's nonsense. These have always been the hallmarks of the uninformed, the gullible, the delusional, the irrational. So for these people to have bought into this nonsense for so long and then for them to flip now, I honestly don't understand it. I love it, but I don't understand it. Maybe you guys could explain it to me in the comments section below. Now, don't forget to buy my overpriced crap on Teespring. Give me a super thanks or support me on Patreon. Until next time, remember, it is not that our liberal friends are ignorant. It's just they know so much that is not so. Good night. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man.